Well, good morning, everybody. Good morning. Is it the green lights on? Can you hear me? It feels very quiet. Okay. I'm going to go for it. Good morning, everybody. Thank you so much for being here. I'm excited for another wonderful Sunday of worship with all of you. Uh, before we get started with our worship service this morning, just have a few uh, things to let you know about regarding things that are going on in the life of our church. Uh, but before we start on that, as always, our check-in form, online check-in form, will be accessible by the QR code up here on the screen or on the front page of your bulletin. If you have a smartphone, it's super easy to open your camera app. Hover over that QR code, a link will pop up that will take you to our online check-in form. You can leave your name, your contact info, any prayer requests you might have. We go over these every week in our staff meetings. So this is a really easy form to use to contact and uh, communicate with us in the church office. If you are not already receiving our weekly emails that come out on Friday afternoons, uh, you can make sure to include your email and your contact info on that info form, and we'll be sure that you're subscribed to our mailing list. So really easy way to make sure you're in touch with us in the church office. Um, okay, a few announcements about things in the life of our church. The first is VBS is around the corner last week of July. I know one section that's particularly excited is these folks on my left right here. Are you guys all excited for VBS? So VBS is a wonderful week. Hundreds of kids and their families connect with our church uh, for a week of learning and play at VBS. Uh, but it does take our full church and a huge team of volunteers to help put this on. And we still have a few open spots for volunteers that want to plug in and help us make VBS happen. So if you have any availability that last week of July and want to come help out uh, in the summer fun of VBS, please contact Jordan or Rihanna in the church office. They'd be happy to let you know what they still need and how you might be able to help out and support that week. Um, coming up just a week, uh, this coming weekend, Saturday, is our men's breakfast for June. So we had a wonderful event last month in, in May, and Dave James is hoping that these continue into a monthly gathering for the men of our church in the mornings, uh, 8 to 9.30 a.m. this coming Saturday, the 17th, over in the Ellipse. If you can, please go ahead and head to our church website or find the link in the weekly email to RSVP. This just helps us plan how many food, uh, how many people to cook food for and all that stuff. So uh, let us know if you can make it to that kind of energetic generational prayer and breakfast gathering uh, for men just uh, this coming Saturday. And then lastly, if you've been around this church for a little while, you know we started Open Gym Pickleball Nights uh, a little over a year ago, and we decided that this summer it's finally time to host our first annual pickleball tournament. It's happening right here in this room. It'll look a little different than this, uh, but it'll be here at, on church grounds on Saturday, July 1st. Uh, sign up again either on our website or there's a link in the weekly email. Uh, we'll play doubles, but you can sign up either with a partner or if you don't know who you want to play with, just sign up as an individual and then we'll pair you up with somebody else that signs up. It'll be super fun. Uh, whether you already know how to play or you're still kind of learning, this is also a great time to start coming on Thursday nights and learn how to play before the tournament. Uh, so we'd love to see you either on an open gym pickleball night on every Thursday or signing up for this tournament on July 1st. Love to have you there. It'll be a full day of some round robin play and then like a double, double elimination bracket. We'll figure out how to structure it once we have signed up. So please go ahead and sign up either for yourself or a team on our website or via the link in our email. All right. We're going to continue with our worship this morning, and today we're going to start that with what we always do, which is standing and being able to greet one another and passing the peace of Christ. So go ahead and do so.
you can now take time to find your way back to your seats. And once you get to your seats, let's stand together and let's read scripture together out of Psalm 33. There will be a section for you to read and a section for me to read. Ryan, you can throw that up there. Let's proclaim this word together. Sing joyfully to the Lord, you righteous. It is fitting for the upright to praise him. Praise the Lord with the harp. Make music to him on the ten-string lyre. Sing to him a new song. Play skillfully and shout for joy. For the word of the Lord is right and true. He is faithful in all he does. The Lord loves righteousness and justice. The earth is full of his unfailing love. And together we read, By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made. Their starry hosts by the breath of his mouth. He gathers He puts deep into storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the people of the world revere him. For he spoke and it came to be. He commanded and it stood firm. The Lord foils the plans of the nations. He thwarts the purposes of his peoples. But the plans of the Lord stand firm forever. The purposes of his heart through all generations. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let me pray for us. God, your ways are so beautiful. And they are so beyond our understanding. As your breath has formed the heavens and the earth. So Lord, we come before you humbly. Acknowledging you as our maker, as our creator. And we offer our worship to you this day. Let us sing. All glory, honor, power is yours. Amen. All glory, honor, power is yours. Amen. All glory, honor, power is yours. Forever, amen. Oh, with all that you have, sing. All glory, honor, power is yours, amen. All glory, honor, power is yours, amen. All glory, honor, power is yours, forever, amen. Oh, we lift up the Creator and Redeemer.
Let me read this scripture for you out of Revelation. It says this, you, Lord, are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive the glory and the honor and power because you created all things. And the beauty of our reality is the creator and redeemer of life, the creator of so many complexities of this world is a God that created us and a God that still knows us, a God that is with us and a God that loves us. And so let us be the people of God and rejoice in what God has created, you and me and the beauty that surrounds us. Let us lift our voices and sing this hymn that, dis that just describes so well the creation that God has created. Oh Lord my God, when I in awesome wonder consider all the world thy hands have made. I see the stars, I see the stars, I hear the
how great thou art then sings my soul my savior god to thee how great thou art oh how great thou art let us clap our hands and give praise to the god that deserves all glory all power all honor amen amen god we thank you that you have created all things and with such complexities there comes so many different details that come together, that work together, Lord. As the sun gives life to the plants and as food gives life to the, your creation and the birds in the sky, the animals on the ground, we thank you that you sustain us with life. You provide us what we need. And God, help us to be faithful to you, knowing that you are working in us, you are working to sustain us. Have you given us a life and a story that involves your grace, that involves your mercy? So let us walk freely. Let us live in confidence, knowing that you are with us and that there's grace that follows us. We sing. God of my present, God of my future, you write my story, you hold it all together. God of my present, God of my future, you write my story, you hold it all together. We sing, you are here, you are here, moving in our midst, we worship you, we worship you, you are here, working in this place, we worship you, we worship you, sing way maker. darkness, our God, that is who you are. You are we make miracle work, promise keep, light in the darkness, our God, that is who you are. You are here, touching every heart. We worship you.
let us in our worship humble ourselves before the Lord, offer ourselves as a whole, as a living sacrifice for Christ. And would we work hard to show the results of our salvation, obeying God with deep reverence and fear. For God is working in me, is working in you, and is working in our church, giving us the desire and the power to do what God pleases. Oh God, may we look to Jesus as we look to persevere through the life that you have gifted us with. That we would walk through our lives with faith, knowing that you are with us, journeying alongside us, and working in us. Let us sing. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop, you never stop working. You never stop, you never stop working. Even when Sing I don't see it, you're God's faithfulness in your life. Even when I God has been with you, working. God will you be with you. never stop, you never stop working. You never stop, you never stop working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. to God, God of my prayers, of our future, you write my story, you hold it all together, amen. We believe in a God that is with us, that is, that is working in us, even when we don't see it. So let us have strong faith together as we move as a church through this journey of life. You may be seated. Part of our tradition as a church is we always pray for our children as they are dismissed into the rest of their Sunday morning over in the children's building. As they are looking to grow in their faith, to learn how to grow deeper relationships with Christ. And we really think of the work of the people that volunteer for our children, that work to, for the better of our children. And so let us not only pray for our children, but in your mind and your heart, would you pray over the leaders of that ministry that they are doing good work in leading our children? Let us pray together through Philippians 1. This is my prayer for you, our children. 
that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best. May you be filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ. To the glory and praise of God. Amen. All right, kids. See you later. You know, we're doing this enough to where the kids are starting to pray over themselves. And they're praying to other kids. They're pointing at each other, and it's a beautiful thing. Um, I'm going to invite up Charlene Pate. She's going to be reading for us out of Romans 4 today. Romans 4, 13 to 25. It was not through the law that Abraham and his offspring received the promise that he would be the heir of the world, but through the righteousness that comes by faith. For if those who depend on the law are heirs, faith means nothing, and the promise is worthless, because the law brings wrath. And where there is no law, there is no transgression. Therefore, the promise comes by faith, so that it may be by grace and may be guaranteed to all Abraham's offspring, not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who have the faith of Abraham. He is the father of us all. And it is, as it is written, I have made you the father of many nations. He is our father in the sight of God, in whom he believed, the God who gives life to the dead, and calls into being things that were not. Against all hope, Abraham in hope believed and so became the father of all nations, just as it had been said to him, so shall your offspring be. Without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead since he was about a hundred years old and that Sarah's womb was also dead. Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had power to do what he had promised. This is why it was credited to him as righteousness. The words it was credited to him were written not for him alone, but also for us to whom God will credit righteousness for us who believe in him, who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead. He was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. The word of the Lord. Thank you for reading, Charlene. And um, just want to say thanks to that great band nicely done this morning and a whole bunch of guests that were part of the band um, that are sometimes up here but kind of a new gathering Austin I don't know how you switch it up every time and uh, make new combinations over and over again but thank you for this morning it's been great to be with you um, somehow I made it out of my office through all of the opportunities to um, put on a name tag and I didn't I'm sorry my name is D. And I'm one of the pastors here at the church, and it is a joy to dig into Scripture with you this morning. I also just have to acknowledge, um, it's been part of my life's journey. I'm just cold all the time. But I refuse on June 11th 
I just feel like I needed to make a statement this morning that this really needs to be summer soon. Thank you. That may be the only amen I get this morning, but I'm glad that that at least came on that particular moment right there. Um, I also wanted to make mention, because I've had a couple people ask, I thought you were going to General Assembly. For those of you that are guests here this morning, welcome. It is so good to have you here. We are far, a part of a faith tradition that um, is part of a, a, a denominational group that has a once every four year gathering. This particular four years we met in Indianapolis and it's still going on. And I was there for several days and it was great to be there. Got to listen to some um, wonderful services. We've actually had some people of our congregation that were there and some of the music leadership team. I came back with uh, three that were on the same flight with me, got here um, very early this morning. And it was, um, thank you, because you made it possible for me to go. There are still some more sessions today and some business meetings over the course of the next few days. Um, the service night before last was a beautiful service about all of us being sent. That it's part of the understanding of our tradition as we look at scripture that we're all sent in our variety of ways in which God works through how we've been gifted how God has resourced us the talents that we've been given and we are sent to use those wherever you are whatever it is that you do there is this sense in which you are part of the sent ones as Jesus, we looked at that passage of scripture a week ago um, in Matthew, where he sends all of his followers out to do the work that he was doing. And it was beautiful to hear that message, that that is part of the calling for all of us, whatever our life choices or vocation that that becomes consecrated to the work that God has called us to do. The next night, last night, the um, emphasis was on a phrase that may sound a little foreign to some, but it's called the priesthood of all believers. It is this idea that all of us are called to minister. Wherever we are, whatever opportunities come our way, and it was a service of just blessing that calling that's on everyone who says, Jesus be the Lord of my life. In that moment, there is this, once again, this giving over of who we are and the things with which we've been blessed to be used for God's kingdom as best we know how as God leads. Gathering together this morning and then, as I said, business, uh, businesses and other devotional pieces through the course of the week. It was great to see some of our people there. It was great to be there. Thanks for making that possible. Um, this particular um, passage this morning, again, thanks for reading it, Charlene. It doesn't really, in my opinion, matter who reads it. Romans is just complicated. And we just jumped into the middle of it. Well, not the exact middle. It's toward the beginning, but it's chapter 4. Not only did we jump into the middle of the book, we jumped into the middle of a chapter. 
I don't know if you've ever been in that place where you've walked into a room or walked into a couple of people who are talking and you think, oh, yeah, I like this group. I know these people. And you step in, you go, oh, okay. Didn't know that's what the conversation was. I think I'll just come back after I get something over here. And that's what it feels like when you jump into Romans 4 into the middle. What? How did... How did you get to this topic? How did we get here? Well, this is a wrestling, it seems, of Paul with trying to make sense to the Roman constituents that are part of the church in Rome, how they fit into this storyline of the Jewish people. How, how does this make sense? It, it's, again, as is often said about some of these letters, it's like hearing only one part of the conversation and wondering, what were you wrestling with, Paul, that led you down this pathway? There are some who think that maybe the question that Paul is wrestling with is, how are Gentiles part of this larger, well, maybe larger isn't the right word, this long-standing journey of the Jewish people with God? How do the G Gentiles fit in? And it feels like that could be the exact question that Paul is trying to answer and even if it's nuanced in some way, it at least gives you a bit of a roadmap of why he's going to where he's going to, which we'll get to in a moment, making an argument that he does and concludes the way he concludes, at least in this section of Romans. Why us? How do we fit? I'm not assuming all of us are of non-Jewish descent. You do your Ancestry.com stuff, you might find a little portion somewhere in there of your journey that may be mixed. But this then becomes a very powerful passage for that very reason. It starts off at the beginning of our reading, though, with this notion that um, the promise is null and void or worthless. Well, how did we get to that? That's at the beginning of what we've been reading Let's back up a little bit and say, how do we get to that statement that says, this promise that we hear about is worthless, why would Paul say that? I, um, long before Christmas, this past Christmas, since I'm cold, I'm going to go back to Christmas time and Advent season. <laughs> I, I was planning ahead, I was doing my best to think ahead on terms of gifts, and so, last week in November, or the first couple of days in December, I came across an advertisement for something that I thought, oh, this is going to be good. And I came across it, it was an advertisement on one of the major news feeds that many of us would have on my phone, clicked on it, took me to a website, and it was great, had all of the options for me to get two pair of shoes for right at $100. Yeah, just seemed like a great bargain. 
I clicked it. I paid with, uh, I don't know, PayPal, I think, and waited for the confirmation. And within a few days, said, we're processing the order. And then about a week later said, we will send you confirmation when we have lined up the supplier for your order. It seemed a little odd to me. So I went back to double check the PayPal that it had gone through. Yeah, it had gone through. So we're getting closer to Christmas, and it gives me the tracking code for the shipping of this package that I can't wait for Christmas. And I find that it's coming to me from Europe, specifically France. That threw me off a little bit. I didn't know the shoes were manufactured in France. But, okay, this is great because I had the tracking code. I then track it to some customs facility in Paris. And it informs me that it's temporarily on hold in Paris at the customs office before it gets shipped off to my destination for Christmas. I keep watching it, get up in the morning, I, it takes a couple steps to track the thing because it's not a real familiar delivery company that I should have gone with a far more familiar delivery company that could, never mind, it wasn't my choice, I just bought them. They picked the delivery company, though a global network delivery company, and it was stuck in customs, I don't know, 10 days. Now we're getting close to Christmas. I can track it, it's on its way to New York. Find it in New York, it lands, and it's stuck in customs in New York again. There's no way it's going to be here in time for Christmas. I'm really disappointed. I bring my family in on this storyline because I want them to just groan with me over this and understand that I was diligent regarding Christmas. It was weeks in advance. I've already spent too long on this, but after several weeks in New York, I tracked it as it made its way to San Diego. I think I could just go to the airport and pick it up, but no, it's stuck in customs in San Diego. Then after a long time in San Diego, it gets sent to some type of distribution center where, again, I would just like to call them and say, can I just go pick up? So, now it's April. And I've been waiting, I've been to follow up, I've emailed every person on every website that I could find about my package, my two pairs of shoes. No response, I've been ghosted. I can still find the company on the website, but every link that I try to click on, it's gone. Finally, end of April, I get a notification that says, package undeliverable, wrong destination, go to the post office and give them the correct address. So I take the notification down to our wonderful local Point Loma post office and I walk in and I'm so excited that I'm like maybe just hours away from getting this. Show them the notification and she looks at it, she goes, oh yeah, that's a scam. You sure? Because I was tracking it all the way from Paris. <laughs> what was I tracking? I have no idea. 
Seemed pretty complicated scam to me, but yeah, I don't have any shoes. I say all that to say that when I paid my money, there was a promise inherent in that moment that was worthless, and I just didn't know it. It was worthless from the beginning, and I didn't know it. In fact, it was less than worthless. It was worth negative amount to me. What does it mean to have a promise and an expectation? And when we move into this notion of covenant, commitment, promise, what is it about? And Paul is getting at the nature of this promise that has been made. And here's what he says makes it worthless. If we believe that God's promise is dependent on our obedience to the law, then there are two problems. First is, if I'm able to be obedient to the law, I have no need of God. The promise is worthless to me because I'm fully capable of keeping the law on my own. I don't need God. The other portion of that is, however, that all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And to be disobedient to any part of the law is to be a disobedient to all of the law. So if that's what it's dependent upon, then it's worthless again. But that's not the nature of this promise. So back to what Paul is trying to argue in the first half of chapter 4 before we even get to verse 14. In this effort to make sense of the Gentiles being brought in on this promise of God. Paul doesn't go back to Moses. He doesn't go back to the law because if he goes back to Moses and the law, then he's creating something that doesn't fit for Gentiles. He goes back to Abraham. And Abraham's belief or faith in God came before circumcision was even a part of the storyline. So it's not based on circumcision, this commitment to being part of the family. It's not based on obedience to the law because the law hasn't even been given yet. It's a commitment to Abraham before all of those things that identify Jew from Gentile. The promise to Abraham is, I'm going to make you the father of many nations. Most likely, Abraham heard that as, you're not only going to be the father of this group of people that will come from you, but also all of those through whom, through you will be blessed because of what I'm doing through you. Because the promise is all nations will be blessed by what I'm doing with you, Abraham. So the gift, this promise, is not dependent on our obedience to the law, or our being part of the insiders. In fact, isn't it pretty powerful 
if this is the question that Paul is answering, that Paul's posture is, how can I understand Scripture to embrace in love those people that aren't part of my group? What a posture to have. That I would go with a lens on this lens of God's love to Scripture and try and make sense of how Scripture flows and moves to allow my understanding of Scripture to go through the lens of my understanding of God's love. So here are the two things that it's not. It's not being part of the circumcised group. It's not being part of those who are obedient to the law group. It's those who believe that what God says God can do, God can do. And if it's anything other than that, then the promise is worthless. But if it is that, this is the core of the Christian faith. The, the statement here is based on what Paul then says in verse 17. This is the God who makes something out of nothing. This is the God who brings life through death. This is the God we're talking about. It feels like sometimes it is this movement of, yeah, it's faith that we have, and then as a result of that faith, we, we need to be obedient and follow all these commands. Mm, yes and no. The no part is really important, it seems to me. Because it feels like that's just kind of a bait and switch. You just change the order of things. So I'm not going to earn God's love and somehow that gives me salvation. It's God's free gift, but God's free gift comes with a price and that price is then I have to do all of the things. And so it just seems like I'm reversing the order and it kind of feels like a bait and switch on this freedom in Christ. I, I don't know why my mind's on scams, but um, I... I remember a bait and switch in my journey. You don't see them too much anymore, and I don't know, maybe you never saw them on the West Coast, but in the Midwest, there were quite a few people that were part of a religious cult, and they would be at airports predominantly, but also in shopping centers, and they had literature that um, they would distribute, and um, one of the pieces of literature, the um, a, a sacred book to some people, the Bhagavad Gita is the name of it, um, was one particular group that did what they did often at O'Hare Airport in Chicago when we were up there and then also in some places um, where we shopped and um, I am not much of a shopper and so while others were shopping I would just often engage in conversation and and let them show me the things that they wanted to show me and um, one particular time uh, showed me the hardcover book and wanted it to be a gift to me. And I said, thank you. I appreciate that. This is wonderful. 
and then they went through the litany of, but it would so help us in our distribution if you could give us a donation of $20 or something like that. And I said, no, but thank you for the book. That's really nice. And then they lowered it down to $10. And I said, oh, I appreciate that. That probably is a bargain, but I'm grateful for the book and I appreciate that you gave it to me. And then the response was, well, if you can't make a donation, maybe you would like the paperback version. <laughs> and I said, no, I really, really like the hardback version. <laughs> and I, I really appreciate that you gave it to me. That's very nice. And he said, well, I really would prefer if you would take the paperback version so that I could have the hard copy back. And I said, yeah, I understand that, but it was a really wonderful gift, and I thank you for that. And I walked away, and he followed me. <laughs> and I kept walking, and he followed me. And he followed me, it was a shopping plaza. He followed me all, my, all the way to my car. And um, I opened the door, and as I got in, I put the book as far away as I could in the passenger seat, and he was kneeling at the door so that I couldn't quite close my door. And this is kind of foolish. I'm not encouraging anybody to do this. He tried to reach across me to get the hardback cover book that I was so grateful for. And I said, no, that's, I'm really grateful that you gave that to me, and I appreciate what you said, that it was a gift. And so instead, he grabbed my umbrella and took off running. <laughs> and I backed out of the parking space. I foolishly tried to follow him. And he, it was like a scene out of a movie. He dove into the side of a van as it was moving, opposite direction of the way I was going, and I thought, wow, that was cool. <laughs> and he was gone. And I lost my umbrella, except that about 10 minutes later, I was driving back, and I saw it hanging on a street sign. And I'm guessing those who were in the van said, yeah, you can't do that. So they hung it on a street sign. Long story, sorry, far too long, about this bait and switch idea that, okay, yeah, we're going to still get to these commandments one way or another. But I want to say to you, I don't think that's the case with Paul's argument here. I don't think this is a bait and switch. I don't think this is just to change the order of things. Here's why. When we step into this place of belief in the God of promise, the God who creates something out of nothing. I mean, that was part of the creation hymn that we were talking about two weeks ago. And, and what was written by the gospel writer last week, this notion of in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. All things were made by him. Without him was nothing made that has been made. It was made out of nothing. And as I said in the early morning tide, 
how many times I have felt like I've come to the end of my resources and I don't see a way through. And somehow seemingly out of nothing, a pathway opens up. A way to step that I hadn't thought before. And this idea of then where does that lead us into just recreating a new law? No, Paul warns about that in Galatians. But here's what Paul does say to us. It's new life. Out of death comes new life. This is the message of the resurrection. And new life leads to new ways of living. It is adherence to the image of God stamped inside of me. It is this dramatic shift where I see ways to live out love like I've never seen them before. It is an invitation to be transformed by believing in the God who transforms. Not here's salvation, now let me give you the 600 things that you need to be obedient to. It is here's salvation Invite me into the space where you are and watch what takes place. My spirit begins to work in your life. Your life begins to shift. Your eyes begin to see things you've not seen before. You hear words in a new fashion. You listen to people's story instead of trying to narrate somebody else's story. The invitation is to be transformed, not to be invited into, oh, here's the next rule book. Oh, but that sounds really loosey-goosey. <sighs> is that a scam? No. It's an invitation then into community where we ask one another and we grow and how are you figuring this out? And I don't have that kind of resource or that's never been an appeal to me to do that kind of a work and witness trip. Oh, but you do enjoy like the organizational stuff ahead of time. Oh yeah, I love that kind of stuff or I'm really uncomfortable in that setting. Well, this person isn't. What if you went with somebody who's more comfortable? How does that feel? The community begins to work in ways that express collectively the kingdom of God. So Paul is inviting us into a place where we recognize the God who makes something out of nothing. The God who brings life out of death. And then he reminds us, and that's exactly what Abram did. Abram simply believed God. And I just want to point out, Paul says, he was basically dead. I mean, it's a little more blunt in, in the Greek. Like, and Sarah, it's like death. Part of the, part of the language of the Old Testament is this 
importance because this small little nation of children. I mean, such a heightened value on children because the group was so small and so much of what was written was to protect what it took to have kids. And so the language of, yeah, I'm not sure really that Abraham and Sarah are worth much of anything to us anymore as a nation, as a group of people. I mean, this is before there is any nation. They're the start of a nation. But the writer is writing about it, and it's Abraham and Sarah. And God says, watch my promise work. In the midst of that which seems hopeless, in the midst of that which seems like there's no way through, in the midst of whatever your circumstances, where the obstacles have gotten bigger than the opportunity, where you wonder, is it even worth pushing through? And here Paul is saying, oh my goodness, not only is it worth pushing through, that's at the heart of what it means to have faith, is to sit back and watch what God's going to do, not what you're going to do. If God chooses to use you, oh, all the better. If God chooses to give you the chance to step in and have a part, oh, fantastic, which he did with Abraham and Sarah, and he typically does with you. But is the dependence on your capability or God's faithfulness? It's an invitation to simply say, oh, God, I don't know. But I do believe in you. And so Paul concludes by saying, and here is Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for that which was promised laid down his life, that through his death we might share in life as well. I'm guessing several of you received the little notification we sent out to quite a few people that earlier this week found out that there was a scam. Thank you, Shannon, for bringing it to my attention that somebody using my email address had uh, started sending to several individuals a request for gift cards for the staff. And please send those gift cards to this particular address Signed it, Pastor D. So, for those of you who didn't get the note, we sent out a note that says, no, actually send them to Pastor D at this address. <laughs> which would have also been a scam. <laughs> so we sent out a notification, please be careful. Please be careful about scams that you are the inheritance uh, uh, belongs to you of some crown prince of some country across the seas, or that some wealthy person that has your last name um, died in Canada and they're looking for people who might receive that inheritance, or um, notification that, um, that Macintosh has received a charge that they don't think is yours, would you please call this number, or 
that Google can't deliver a particular package, we send your information to this particular site, or, 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 or. I am sorry that the economy of the world leads to the necessity of people trying to find ways like this to make what appears like a promise that's worthless. I'm not sure in the midst of all of that who's at fault. I'm not sure it matters. I caution you because I don't want you to be hurt. But I do want to tell you, there's no scam in this. I think you need to be prepared for your life to change. Because it always does when you start to see through the eyes of Christ. You need to be prepared for your thinking to be challenged. Because it always does when you say, oh Lord, give me your mind and your spirit. Be prepared for your life to take some turns that might be unexpected because that often happens when you say, okay, God, I'm yours. All I am, you've blessed me. It makes perfect sense that I give it back to you. And in God's love and grace and purposes, where he not only cares about you, but cares about the person next to you and the person behind you and the person in front of you, is going to take that faith moment of yours and not just use it to your benefit, but to the benefit of the work of the kingdom in the life of others. So be prepared. But there's nothing scamish about it. It's transformational. Because there is one who laid down his life so that we might have true life. Through all of those little deaths that happen in our journey and through the end of life death, the promise that I am yours, you are mine, and forever you will be mine, says the Lord, the creator of all things. Watch and see what God is about to do in the circumstances of your life that seem insurmountable because God makes something out of nothing over and over and over and over again. Thanks be to God. Father, thank you for a difficult, thought-filled writer like Paul who seemingly writes out of a heart of love that says, let me explain to you why this good news is for you. Let me tell you how scripture speaks of God's love and grace and faithfulness. The God of redemption Thank you for giving us a writer like that who teaches us not only a way to think through things, but shows us a heart. Give us your heart, O oh Lord. Give us a heart of compassion. In the midst of our unbelief, may you fill us with belief. 
In the midst of uncertainty, give us peace. In the midst of sinfulness, give us forgiveness. And in the fear of doing it wrong, Lord, give us freedom to just try. Give us freedom to stumble, to mess up, to confess struggles, and teach it what it means to feel safe in you and breathe deeply of your love. This morning, Lord, will you meet us right where our fears are? As Charles Wesley wrote, will you charm away our fears? Wherever we are this morning, Lord, individually, meet us in that spot. Call us by name. And then hear us collectively say, oh, Lord, we want this to be an outpost of your kingdom, always and forever, faithful and true, embracing and encouraging one another as we walk this journey of faith in you. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Sweet. 
sing this as our prayer for our church as we continue to journey in life together. God, we look to you. We won't be overwhelmed. Give us vision to see things like you do. God, we look to you. You're where our help comes from. Give us wisdom you know just what to do. What a perfect song. I hope this week is transformational for you. Whatever stage in life you are, my prayer and hope is that as you surrender your gifts, your talents, your circumstances to God, you will find God inviting you into places that surprise you by joy, take you off guard. Really, God, I get this chance to trust in your faithfulness? So, may God's Spirit fill you. May God's grace pour over you. May you know God's faithfulness and that it is God who keeps the promise for you. Into that space, may God give you peace and courage to do all that God invites you into doing. May this week be blessed in every way. Go in God's peace, everyone. Great to be with you this morning.